previously on the Sports Refuge Podcast. What happens when all of these legends go away? Who's going to be the next one up? And it doesn't seem like radio has ordained the next person. From Delaware, almost live, this is the Sports Refuge Podcast. This is the weekly podcast featuring interviews with guests discussing their connection to sports. And now, here's your host, Earl Holland. Welcome to episode 54 of the Sports Refuge, the weekly interview show where guests discuss their connection with sports. I'm your host, Earl Holland. Today, we're picking up where we left off with my interview of Benny Pinella, on-air personality for iHeartRadio Delaware, and the host of the music show Nashville Next, as well as the Pat and Benny Show Sports Podcast. Previously, we discussed how Benny got interested in radio, as well as his love for pro wrestling, and his thoughts on the future of the radio industry. In this episode, Pinella and I talk about the recently relaunched XFL and its potential for success, what it's like being a fan of Philadelphia sports, and what led to the creation of the Pat and Benny Show podcast. I'll also ask Benny about what his ultimate career goals are at the age of 26. Right now, here's part two of my interview with Benny Pinella. I will go out on a limb. I think this iteration of the XFL will work. I, I think so. I mean, especially you have enough time to build it up. Yep. You didn't just rush it like the yeah. AAF, whatever. I'll, I'll a, never forget about the AAF. The AAF and just how, you know, talk about all this other stuff. As long as there's good football, people will watch it. And that's mm-hmm. the other thing. I mean, who knows if it's going to be good football. Um, but you see the NFL took a lot of stuff from the XFL that they used, the overhead camera shots, yep. some of the different rules and things yeah. like that. The, so. the XFL is almost as influenced the NFL almost as the NFL-AFL merger. And then remember the USFL? or the United, yeah, th- yeah. That one was very influential because the NFL took the pistol formations and the run-and-gun offenses. And all of a sudden the NFL teams were starting to – score 40 points a lot more frequently than they were before. I think my hope, and this is my hope for the XFL, I hope the XFL gets some kind of minor league contract with the NFL and you get your seventh round, your sixth round, your practice squad players. You get them playing, you know? My friend Pat from the Pat and Benny Show, he has a really good idea for what the NFL should do. Get rid of the Thursday night football games. They're awful. They're horrible. They're always terrible football games. It doesn't make any sense, and teams hate them. Um, and make the Thursday night game your XFL game. So that way you still get a Thursday night football game. You're not interfering with high school football on Fridays or, or college football on Saturdays, and obviously the NFL has its Sundays. But the NFL's like minor league team would have the Thursday night game. Because people, like for the most part, people don't really watch Thursday night games now. Like I don't care about them. I don't like them. I think that it's always crappy football. It's always like... And for a while, I remember it was like the Titans and Jaguars would play like every single Thursday night game. And it was it was bad. And it was just bad football. It was fumbles everywhere, interceptions, like a 21-14 a game that's kind of really boring and unwatchable. And there's like a defensive touchdown in there. And the offenses aren't doing anything. It's a punt fest. You put the developmental football on Thursday nights. People will watch that. Especially if you, you localize it like, okay, you know, the Eagles are going to play uh, on Sunday night, a big, a big high-profile game we're hyping up on Sunday night. Hey, on Thursday night, you can come to the link and watch these two teams play. The minor league teams between Dallas and Philly or something like that. That would be interesting to me. I think that would work. That would that would 100% work. One of the things I want to talk to you about, especially before we get into discussing the Pat and Benny show, you're a big Philadelphia sports fan. Man. And to you, which moment was bigger? The Phillies winning the World Series or the Eagles winning the Eagles Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Uh, to me personally, was the Phillies World Series because that had a lot of family tie-ins to it. But the Eagles Super Bowl was so much bigger. I mean, that football is obviously a bigger sport than baseball. But that moment, 
I mean, I, I still don't think that actually happened and it's been two years. Like I still have moments where I'm like, was that, was that like the play really over? Like, I, I, I feel like I'm going to wake up one day and just like Roger Goodell is going to walk to midfield at, um, at, at Minnesota's field. and It's gonna be painted like Eagles versus Patriots. After further review, we've indicated there's pass interference and the Patriots get one untimed down and it'll be at the one yard line. Like, I feel like that's going to happen. Um, but no, the, the Super Bowl was, was, whoa. I mean, that entire ride was just out of this world. And the ride to the World Series was, but the Super Bowl just has a little more of just the drought, the, the, the hate. I mean, like, I felt like when the Phillies won the World Series, I felt like I was on top of the world. When the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I felt like that legitimized my existence. Because for the longest time, what was the biggest thing about the Eagles? Always the bridesmaid, but never the bride. Yeah. You got to the NFC Championship game four straight times. You only won once. You get a Super Bowl and your quarterback throws up. Like, I always felt like the Eagles were not a legitimate NFL team, or not thought of like that, because they never won a Super Bowl, which is insane because they're one of the oldest franchises in existence. But you don't win that Super Bowl and no one respects you. So I felt like the Eagles winning the Super Bowl legitimized like my existence on the face of the earth. And I always think, especially... That win, that's for guys for like Randall Cunningham. That's for Charlie Garner. Oh that's God. for Reggie White. That's for Jerome Brown. That's Donovan, for everybody. The, the Andy, yeah. like I felt like I felt like when the Eagles won, every single Eagle that's ever played for the team won, which is a whole lot of rings to cut there, Jeffrey Laurie. But like I felt like that. It felt like because the Eagles are a very nostalgic football team. I don't see any other football team that's that kind of like the Packers and the Bears are, but those are all like the old those are original teams. Like those are literally like the Packers are the oldest possible sports team in existence in the in the north in the North America. Like they their their history goes back to the 1800s. The Eagles don't have that, but they're very nostalgic about their players, and the Eagles are that way. And the Eagles fans are very much that way too. I mean, I'm an Eagles fan, but um, there are fans like my brother who, who when he does make Pat and Benny show recordings, he has a segment called the Irrelevant Minute where we go back and we revisit like a random player like Roderick Hood or or Broderick Bunkley or like a player that like had a cup of coffee with the Eagles. And you've revisited these people and like the stories about them, your your thought process about them, and it all just kind of brings back these warm, fuzzy feelings and you're like, God, a backup corner is making me think about the good old days. That's kind of the way Eagles fans are. How would you identify the, I guess, the average Philly sports fan? I don't think they're as crazy as people think they are. I think they're very passionate. Um, I think Philly sports fans are one of the most intelligent fans because they know so much about how it works. Like, people always like to say we're blowhards and we, we overstep our boundaries as fans, and we do to a degree, and we do have our crazy moments. But Philly sports fans are always quick to identify the root of the problem. You know, and, and it's funny because last year the Eagles had a lot of issues. And any other sports market I feel like would have been like, oh, the head coach or the wide receivers has to play better. Philly was kind of the first place to go, you know what, Howie, you won the Super Bowl, but you didn't really do a good job of giving us receivers. What other sports market would go after the GM after they won a Super Bowl and say you didn't get us the receivers we need to go and win another one? I don't think any other sports market would be that way, but that's Philadelphia for you. They're quick and they're smart and they're knowledgeable and um, they're very passionate. And I think that is the typical Philly sports fan. And, and, and whatever you think your passions are, and I know a lot of different people from all across the United States listen to this show, whatever you think like a passionate sports fan is, crank it up to 100 when it comes to Philly. 
this is a question we talked about a long time ago, yeah. and I was just saying, knowing the history, especially Philly being a two-sport town in baseball a long time ago, A's and the, and the Phillies, I always wondered, had history been the same and had, let's say, the Phillies and A's still were able to coexist and everything occurred with the A's, you know, the Bash Brothers playing yep. in Philly, the everybody doing the Bernie, all the other stuff yeah. that run, Moneyball and everything, if the A's were here in Philly... Would they be the talk of the town as opposed to the Phillies? Uh, if everything were the same, so I don't know if the Phillies would exist if the A's were around. I, I, because you'd have a New York situation where you have like the big brother and the little brother. Um, I think so. I'm not going to sidestep your question, but here's what I'm going to say. Number one, I don't think the Phillies exist because I think Philadelphia, the way we are, we only want one team. In in every sport, we're not the type. I don't think we're the type of market that would ever want multiple teams. Because I just, especially seeing like how how we are with the Eagles, like I don't know how people in New York handle it. Like, how do you handle two different teams to pick from? It's just baffling to me. And L.A. Like now that L.A. Well, L.A. I know we know how L.A. is going to react with the two football. They just don't show up to anything. You know, I I just don't know how markets with two different teams operate. But for Philadelphia, so if the A's never left. I don't think the Phillies exist, and I don't think the I don't think it's a Moneyball A's team. I think it's a it's an A's team that has money and is willing to go out and spend money with analytics. So I think you get the Billy Bean type style. I think I think if if that's the scenario, I think this Phillies team is more akin to what you see with the Red Sox. They win championships. They're a competitive team, but they run it very smartly and very analytically driven. But they spend their money wisely. Now. In your scenario, how would we react to having two teams? I think the city would burn itself to the ground. I think you would have instances of West Side Philly and East Side Philly and like, you know, South Philly and all like it would be so tribal in the sense that you like sports radio would be the most popular thing in Philly. Like every time the ratings would come out, no matter what the stations are, 102.1 is always a really high rank, 105, uh, uh, Ben FM up there, it wouldn't matter. No, 93.3 wouldn't matter. Like The only thing people would be listening is the probably 87 sports talk st- stations they'd have in Philly if they had multiple teams in every sport. And I think you include South Jersey, too, and everything. Oh, my God, yeah. I think you would have like four sports talk stations because they, they would have to have two for every freaking team. Like that, that would be how it would be. It'd be interesting I honestly think there would be so much infighting, and and also I don't think you'd have a situation in New York where each team has their own, where it has their one stadium. I think each team would have to have their own stadium because Philly wouldn't be able to handle like going to Citizens Bank Park, the home of the Phillies and the A's, wouldn't wouldn't happen. Or Lincoln Financial Field, the home of the Eagles and the Bengals. I don't know what team mm-hmm. would be in Philly. You know, maybe maybe like the Brawlers or something. Or if it's like Citizens Bank here, Vet Stadium here. It, it, yeah, no, it, there'd be no parking. There'd be absolutely no parking. Um, it'd be a scheduling nightmare. Uh, and I, I, God, again, I, I've always wanted to ask like people in New York that like run the schedules for all the stadiums, how do you do it? And also, how do how do sports facilities like? Because there's some there's some towns where like the baseball team plays on the other side of town, and the football team's here. Like, I love what we have in Philly, where Wells Fargo, Lincoln Financial Field, Citizens Bank Park, all in one area, and you get a great spot like Xfinity, where you can go from watching a Phillies game to watching like the Eagles game that night, or you can go watching from watching a Flyers game. You know, go grab a beer and then go over to Lincoln Financial Field if the Eagles are playing later that night. Like, you could do something like that here. I, I don't know how other cities haven't jumped on something like that. It's, it's fantastic. I love it. 
Yeah, I think Baltimore is probably a good example where everything's fit. You can just walk right down. Yeah. You know, D.C. is the, probably the worst example because everything's scattered. Yeah, and, and like the football team plays an hour outside of the actual town, Landover, which I always say, like, you can't call, like, you cannot call the Redskins the Washington Redskins when they play an hour away. They are the most schizophrenic team. Team offices in Virginia. Their yep. name is Washington. They play in Maryland. It makes no sense. No, it makes no and, sense. And, and, you know, I and, mean. And, 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 and I know you're a Redskins fan. It's reflective of the actual organization. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, I always thought a perfect example of what WWE might be now is the Washington Redskins. It is extremely dysfunctional. Um, jumping on the new thing way too early, and then sometimes your bright shining star blows his Achilles out, and then he's never the same. And it seems like they don't care about fans. <laughs> they don't. They really don't. Like, and not even like not even just non-football fans. They don't even care about their own fans. I feel so bad for you guys. Like, I don't think an owner like Dan Snyder could exist in Philly, or for too long. Like, we're ready to hang John Middleton because he just seems dysfunctional. And that's the other thing about Philly. And I went back to it. The fans being really smart and on top of things. Fans don't put up with stuff like that. And I'm not saying that the Redskins fans are putting up with stuff like that. But, like, there's a zero-tolerance policy for any level of dysfunction and exclusion from the fans. Yeah, and, and just, like, I use the equivalent of WWE's Be a Star thing. Mm-hmm. They probably got in-company bullying. Yeah, do you have a bullying thing? Just, like, with the team name and you have a Redskins original Americans thing. Like, oh, boy, that's, uh, I don't know if that's hush money or what. Ugh. I don't know. I, I, here, here, okay, so here's my here's my opinion on the Washington Redskins name. Native Americans don't find it offensive. Actual Native Americans have been asked, like, do you find that offensive? No, they don't find it offensive. Like, and understand, like, they're not like going up there and like it's some chief Wahoo guy. Like, I would find the Cleveland Indians mascot more offensive. Yeah, because that was like a as actual chief Wahoo. The Redskins one like looks like a noble like warrior. You know, and I actually kind of like those helmets you wear, like the throwback ones with the with the with the arrow. Like, those oh yeah, the spear. Really cool. Oh, that's spear. The, the, I- I feel like even if they were going to change the logo or name, the spear should be the only thing. I mean, mm-hmm. the spear with the, the the gold and the white and the and the maroon and the burgundy helmet. Yeah, because because I mean, let's look at all the teams in sports that are named after something Native American. Chicago Blackhawks. That like, if you really think about it, that's an offensive name. Like, and and the logo is kind of offensive. It's it's no it's no different from what the Washington Redskins are going through. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the, the Atlanta Braves, the Tomahawk Chop. Yeah, and that was talked about during the that playoffs. Was, yeah, it was talked about during the playoffs. Like they're not offending anything. Now, the Cleveland Indians, and they've done a good job of switching back to the C. Yeah, their their Chief Wahoo logo, while it's a cute little guy, that was a little much. That was a that was a cartoon of a Native American. If you're gonna go do a Native, Amer- Native American logo, don't do something like that. Yeah, do something like I, honestly. Do something like what the Redskins are doing, where yeah. it's a noble warrior. He's not like it's not like you're you're taking a photo of. Remember that old commercial where the Indian man and yeah. Native Americans crying on the side of the road? Like they're yeah. not doing that. They're not poking fun at a yeah. Native American. It it's a the logo is a esteemed warrior going yeah. into battle. Like that's that when I see that logo, I see an esteemed warrior going into battle. I I don't call them the Redskins. When I actually when I do sports reports, I don't refer to them as the Redskins. But that's not because I don't like the name. That's just because I know people are going to listen. I don't want yeah. them to say, "Oh, Ben said the Ben said the name Redskins." He's he's perpetuating this. Like I don't really care. Like it's yeah. I, like at the end of the day, it's a team name. It's not changing anyone's life. It's not making anyone. If you're getting offended by a team name, you would not last in a Xbox 360 Modern Warfare chat room. You wouldn't. If you are getting offended by the name of a sports team that doesn't even play anywhere near where you live. 
I, I don't know what to say to you. Like, like maybe just hit the reset button on your life and, and go wait, go leave. I don't know what to tell you. Like wear earmuffs. Yeah, and honestly, the history of the team was a lot worse before. I mean, I know that people say, oh, it used to be worse. I mean, it was a lot worse because in Hail to the Redskins, they were talking scalping and this and that, and it used to be fight for old Dixie. I mean, they leaned into the segregation part. It was a little much. I think, and I'll credit the Redskins here, they have done a really good job of cutting out the actual bad stuff of the lore of the team. And I honestly, like, I think it's gotten to the point where you can get so much. Fans are literally like, or not, I'm not even consider these people fans. Like, the traditional football fan is not these people. They're not these people. The traditional football fan that's buying a ticket, that's watching the product, they're not doing this stuff. That's why I have I have a big problem with the NFL trying to pander to everyone because the people you're trying to bring in aren't sports fans. And listen, if you like sports, you're watching the NFL now. Yeah. If you are and if basketball, if you're just a basketball fan, you've watched the NFL at some point. In yeah. Life. Most NFL fans aren't watching on other sports, but most sports fans are watching the NFL. And that's the bottom line. The people that have an issue with the Redskins logo aren't sports fans. They're they're people that just don't watch sports at all. They're woke uh like woke. woke people that that like want to be politically correct. That's what they are. Yeah. They're, these aren't sports fans. You like you won't get like that's why Los Angeles doesn't because Los Angeles is not a sports market. They're fine with basketball, but basketball doesn't require you to draw 80,000 people in. Yeah. Yeah, there's 20,000 people in, in one of the most populated cities in the world that'll watch a basketball game. That's yeah. fine. Or a couple people that watch a hockey game. They don't support football there cuz they don't care. Because it's it's a, the image of football is red blooded American that's not going to fit in L A. And the people that have an issue with Washington Redskins logo, they're not red blooded Americans. They're, that's not that's not the thing that they're not. That's not what the NFL should be going after, or the image of the NFL. Ignore them. Who cares? And also, the biggest hole punch in this whole argument is Native Americans have actually come out and said we don't care. Listen, all the bad stuff that we've done to Native Americans. They don't care about this. They just want their land back. Listen, yeah. you think they're getting offended by a logo of a sports team at this yeah. point? We've slaughtered them. We, the Trail of Tears. We yeah. gave them smallpox. We've killed them in ways that are just so brutally disgusting. And these politically correct woke people are thinking, oh, the Redskins logo has changed. It's, it's a logo of a sports team. Come on. There's other things to worry about. Yeah, I, I, I get so exhausted by it. No, I got you, and I prefer and for, Washington and for Bullets, the, too. And for the most part, for the most part, the the kerfuffle has died down. No one cares yeah, anymore. Because they're awful. That's yeah. why. nobody. If they start oh, the, winning— Oh, you mentioned the Washington Bullets. Oh, I love—you know, I always thought they changed it because that way you could sell throwbacks and get more money off of it. No. I mean, I mean, I know that they change it because, like, oh, you don't want people to get offended and, by guns. Yeah, and Abe Poland was a uh, was a friend of Itzhak Rabin, and he got shot, and he got assassinated. I don't want to say shot; he's not Tupac. He got assassinated. He got assassinated, and and that that impacted him as well. But I also thought there was the underlying tone, like yeah. we can still sell those throwbacks because they would still wear those oh, with, bullets with, throwbacks with, with, from the with any years. with any team name change. It's always the yeah, yeah. there's always an underlying cause yeah. there. Like I'm just waiting for the 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 Chargers to change their name. Did you see, there was a rumor the Chargers gonna move to London. Can you imagine taking a team from the West Coast and throwing them all the way over to London? It's like playing them in Hawaii. Oh, my God. Someone put up an argument that says, well, how does Hawaii's college football team play these games? And I, my counter to that was, 
well, they play in a conference that's literally just on the West Coast. Like, they don't have to travel all the way over to the East Coast. They may do it once a year. Rationalizing and saying, oh, Hawaii going to play like UMass would be like, no, you with the Chargers being in London or whatever team, because they wouldn't be the London Chargers. They'd be like the London, I hope they call them the London Silly Nannies. I really do, like from Family Guy. <laughs> the Light Brigade would be nice just because if you're going to if you're gonna lean into the it, the Char- Light Brigade. Yeah, the, yeah. the Chargers, yeah. So the, the argument I had with this guy was, the Hawaii Warriors, they play. You have to fly to every game. I get that. And them flying from Hawaii to like Boston would be the same length as someone flying from the West Coast to London. I'm like, yeah, but they do that once a year. This would be like multiple teams having to do this. Also, it's not like where you can fly from like California to Philly, take a day off, and you're fine. If you fly to London, it throws you off by like multiple days. You need to fly out there many days in advance. And then it's a scheduling conflict. It's a scheduling nightmare. Like, I'm fine with playing two, three games in London every year, maybe. I really wish it was just two. Like, give them, give them like, a game in week three and give them a game in, like, week ten. Like, keep it that way. Unless you're going to build a whole league in Europe, that would be the only way. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean that would be the only way to do Bring it. Bring back I mean, NFL Europe. I, yeah. I, and you know what? That's one of the things I loved was Madden. What was it? Madden 05. You could play with like NFL Europa teams. Oh, it was so cool. Yeah. Well, Ryan Fire and. Yep. Uh, the. Uh, the There was like the. Was it Birmingham? No, it wasn't Birmingham. It was a B. It was some like B team or B I can't town. think of it. Uh, there was and there's one there was one team that was like set in Ireland. There was one team that was set in like Spain. Uh, there was teams that were set all across. Yeah. Oh man, there's German teams. There was, uh, God, it was so cool. And, yeah. and 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 really, the only reason NFL Europe failed is because you had too many teams and, yeah. and they were in some bad like Frankfurt. Like no one cares about Frankfurt, even yeah. though that team was really good. Yeah. Like you put them in like London. Put them in some major Paris. teams. Paris. Paris, Madrid, uh, Madrid, uh, uh, places where their stadiums already built. You don't need yeah. to build stadiums for these, and don't and don't make it eight teams. Like make it like six. Yeah, and just playing like in soccer stadiums, you know, and yep. and grow the game there. I mean, and that's your Thursday night football game. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So you, you do you do an NFL Europe div- division, and you do an NFL America division. Yeah, and that's your that's your two, and then you want a World Bowl. Your Super Bowl of those teams yeah. is played on a Thursday before the Super Bowl, and it's played in like I don't know whichever league has a better record or something. I don't know. I'm surprised the NFL hasn't have tried to absorb the CFL. I'm really surprised. I'm too. Um, honestly, I think that's that's more of a one way street. I think the CFL would be like, nah, we're good, we're good because like Canadian football is actually really popular. Oh yeah, and. Um, and it's, and I mean, the other thing about it is it's almost a completely different sport. Like it, the field's bigger, uh, the goalposts are in the end zone. Penalties are way different. You only get three downs. Uh, it's 15 yards. I think it's, was it 15 yards for a first down? I think of- 12 men on the field. Um, yeah, I mean, cause I remember watching it, especially when Baltimore got the stallions mm-hmm. and yeah, it was electric there, especially people yeah. in Baltimore. I mean, and they were the only American team that actually functioned yep. well enough to survive more than one season, and and they went to the Grey Cup both times. Yeah, now I, the Canadian football is interesting to me. I, I whenever whenever I um because I've been in Canada a couple of times. Whenever I get close and I can actually catch a CFL game, I'm always like, this is kind of interesting. Like, there's actually people in the stands. Like the people like I think the, the NFL tries to paint this picture of like no one watches the CFL. 
act like people watch and it's actually really popular and it's been going on actually longer than the Super Bowl, I think. Like they've been doing the great Yeah, Cup. I think they've been playing what, since eight, the late 1800s. Yeah. And they're smart. They are not playing the same time as the NFL. No. They play during that spring era and then as soon as that ends, boom, you're you're right into NFL football. Yep. And that's that's where I would put the developmental leagues because that, for the most part that's when kids graduate from college. And I like I like the idea of doing this. I like the idea of pairing up the draft with graduation so that way you graduate and you're right into the league. And when you get drafted, I would add on a couple extra rounds that you don't televise because I'm not going to care. After yeah. the, after like the fifth round, I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, it's going to get to the point where I'm like, if it's not the first three rounds, I'm just not going to care. But you do like a 10-round draft and you draft for those other leagues, like your your, your Europe League, your your American League. And honestly, I would look at like you know, trying to work something out with the Canadian Football League, even though they, they probably want nothing to do with you. And then if they don't work out, go to Australia. Yeah. Because it seems like Australia is pretty into football. They have, like, Australian rules football. So, you know, put four teams, four you know, small teams there, and then go go do your thing. Like New Zealand, Australia, and then a couple out in, like, you know, Brisbane. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, and it's crazy how the NFL, their popular in America, can't make a dent outside of it. Yeah. But NBA, while it may be the set, maybe number two, probably biggest – International sport outside of soccer. Well, and the NF- well, the NBA is also like they've also you know uh, yeah. gotten in bed with a couple of countries. Oh yeah, yeah. that's true. And what, what, were your, what, were your, what were your thoughts on the LeBron James thing? LeBron <sighs> James defending China. Oh boy, or his like makes, his like his like comments. It, it makes it you were just better just saying no comment mm-hmm. because honestly, because if we're defending civil rights here and you're not defending it there. Like the old saying is, an injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere. And yeah. that's the problem. You can't pick both sides because of the corporate partner. People that like – and one of the reasons why I like Michael Jordan is because Michael Jordan, to me, was never Superman. And and here and here's what I'm going to get at when I say that. When, when you think of LeBron James, like kids love LeBron James. Kids adore LeBron James. I don't think kids took to Michael Jordan the way they took to LeBron James. Like, like LeBron was literally like made for kids. Like, I think Michael Jordan was more made for like your teenager, your your eighteen year old. Like that. Like Mike. That's like because when I think of Michael Jordan, I don't think of like a clean cut human being. I think of a guy who just will rip your heart out and take a bite of it and stomp it into the ground. But they cultivated his persona as well. I mean. He would be Kobe Bryant now in, oh, in this era. 100%. He'd be Kobe Bryant. I mean, 100%. Every story that you heard that Kobe Bryant did, Michael Jordan probably already did it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like that South Park thing that Simpsons already did it. Well, also, Michael Jordan, like, I, I think the difference between Michael Jordan and Kobe is that I think, I think Kobe and Michael have the same killer instinct. I think Kobe is a little more like, I just want to play basketball. And Michael Jordan was a little more like, I'm, I'm going to work really hard at playing basketball, but I'm going to go out and have fun. Like you hear about all the strippers and the and the the betting, the, the gambling. betting, the gambling, the drinking, the Jeremy Roenick story that broke today about him uh, playing a round of golf, thirteen holes of golf, then crushing ten beers, and then going and dropping fifty two. Like, yeah, I mean the man just partied it up, and but he was great. Like Michael Jordan is like the last. I feel like Michael Jordan and like maybe Gronk are like the last party sports legends. I think Rodman. I think and the more you hear about Jordan, I think him and Rodman are like kindred spirits. Except that I, honestly, you know what? I think like Pete Rose and Michael Jordan remind me a lot of each other in the sense like Pete Rose was like a guy who'd go in and just like he wanted to cut your throat, but also like he'd go out and party. Like yeah. Pete Rose would go out and party a lot, you know, yeah. gambling and all that stuff. Um, but it's funny how like one's revered. And then the other one is kind of just isolated by his own sport. Yeah, and I mean, 
I mean, I guess if everything, everybody would be like Barkley. Just yeah, he doesn't care. He'll still have fun. Bar- he'll, he'll tell jo- you what's on his mind. Joel Embiid reminds me of Barkley. Like Joel Embiid reminds me a hundred percent of Charles Barkley. Just I don't care. I'm going to tell you whatever I want. And uh, well, definitely I don't care because he just doesn't gotten in shape. And Barkley was never in great shape either. Round mound of the rebound, man. I mean, that's that's what he was. My, my thing, my, the reason I made the Michael Jordan point is, I think the way that people have, or the way the NBA has kind of put LeBron James on this platform has been more of like he is Superman. He is your, he is the John Cena. He is the everyone likes him. He's this clean cut character. And Michael Jordan was never really put in in my mind. He was never put that way. Like Michael Jordan was always like he's more of a a killer. Like he's more of a I'm going to go for your throat type guy. LeBron doesn't seem to have that bone in his body. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, he's not a killer. Kobe's a killer. Um I'm trying to think who else is a killer. Uh, Kobe's a killer. Um I would think like Magic Johnson has a little bit of a killer instinct. Yeah. Even though Magic like Magic Johnson almost has like that that smile but like I'll kill you smile. Oh like yeah, that. that's he'd probably I yep. mean just like Michael would just talk to everybody he's like, "Yeah, man, let's play golf." And then just yep. and he'd score 50 on them. I mean, I always thought about this that whole goat discussion, that, that that's something we should have for another time. But there's like six people who are in the category of goat when it comes to basketball. Uh, yeah. it's, it's Wilt, Kareem, Jordan, Russell because the rings. I don't know if I put Russell in there. Here's the thing about championships for yeah. me. Championships and the goat conversation. You can be great and not win championships or as many as you want. Now, in order to be great, you have to win at least one or two. Yeah. I would say you have to win at least two. Yeah. You. Here's the thing, okay? In the NBA, especially now, there are guys that have won like four rings that have that have done nothing to deserve them. Mm-hmm. Not saying Bill Russell's done that. Bill Russell's fine. I don't put Bill Russell in my top six because I just don't. I think there's better players. I think LeBron's a better player than Bill Russell. I don't think a LeBron is a goat. And I don't think of Bill Russell as a goat. I think the greatest player of all time is Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I waffle between him and Kareem, and, and and third place would be Wilt because mm-hmm. Wilt did. Imagine Wilt being more athletic than Shaq. Yeah, because Wilt was a, I mean, of course, Philly guy too. He was a he was a sprinter. He he held long jump records. He was more athletic. He played volleyball and mm-hmm. all this stuff. I, and, I I put Kareem three for me, um, and we're not we're not going to go too mm-hmm. deep in the goat discussion. Yeah. I put Kareem three to me because. Kareem, I don't like Kareem is like looking back on his career, he was so like not one dimensional, but you, you kind of knew what he was going to do, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I just think at the time, uh, him and Wilt kind of have that, that like at the time they were just so big and so mm-hmm. fast and so much more athletic than the guys they were playing with. Wilt has the edge for me because Wilt dominated. Like, understand at that era, Wilt dominated that era of basketball, and Kareem did as well, but but. Especially around that time, you had like the rise of Larry Bird, the rise of Magic Johnson, and then yeah. really towards like the middle point of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's career, you really were starting to think like, is he the greatest of all time? But like when you go back and look at the era that Wilt Chamberlain played in, you, there's no other like yeah, I mean, you you can't say Pistol Pete Mar- Maravich is better than than Wilt Chamberlain. He's a, he's a hell of a passer, but, hell of a passer, yeah. but he's no Wilt Chamberlain. To me, the greatest basketball player of all time is Michael Jordan because he personified everything you want, and not just a basketball player, but an athlete. Yeah, you want a guy who's going to go out there and wants to rip the other team's heart out, take a bite and spike it into the ground. And that's Michael Jordan. Yeah, and I think Will gets hurt because then you lost all those times to Bill Russell. You were considered selfish. Maybe he wasn't, but I mean, just the fact that they're always going to say he always thought about was scoring. All he thought about was scoring. I mean, 
I mean, but the funny thing is that nobody will ever score 100 points. I don't think anyone will ever. I mean, no one will ever get it close to scoring 100 ever I th- again. I think they will, and here's why. The way the NBA has become is such a scoring-happy league and, and such a lack of defense. Like, like, everyone's making this big stink about, or like, big kerfuffle. All the Sixers are the longest team in basketball. They're the biggest starting five. They're still allowing, like, 115 points on nights. Like, they're, they're still not great. I think if you got the, the right scenario with a team that has two stars, just two, and then maybe a third guy who, who shoots or maybe a third guy that does something, but the two decently-sized stars... I think one of those stars could bust out and have a 100-point game. And I think that's not out of the realm of possibility. The way defenses are, they're very lackadaisical. Defenses are being stretched more now than ever, especially with the popularity of the three-pointer. The basketball player I thought could have done it if he never got hurt was Kevin Durant. Because Kevin Durant has a two-phase game. Play inside, he can back you down. He's strong enough to back you down even though he's kind of skinny. And he can still he can still pop. Pop and shoot. I mean, he's still a really great shooter. With the ankle, with the with the Achilles, I don't know if he'll ever be able to do that. The next guy on my list, if he ever learns to shoot, would be Ben Simmons. Because Ben Simmons is so dominant on the inside that he, if even if he had an average shooting game, I think he could get close to 100 points a couple of times. How underrated do you think a guy like Mark Price is? I mean, apparently he was a guy splitting the defenses before all these other guys, and he may not have been quick Uh, like everybody else. There's a lot of instances where I think guys play outside of their era, like when they they would have been thought of as really great players, which which is something I think we have to adjust for. Mark Price is a guy that just played outside of his era, and I think another player that's like that is came a little too soon. I think if if Steve Nash was a little like was able to just kind of move his career into now. I think people would think Steve Nash is a better player. Like when Steph Curry was going off, I think that would have been Steve Nash. Steve yeah. Nash I think would have been thought of as the best. Like Steph Curry was for a, for a period of time. Now he was, but he just kind of to me he just kind of came in a little too early, you know? I mean, think about it. Like if you had some of those great like early 2000s basketball players, kind of played outside their era. Like Ben Wallace would have been dominant in the 80s. Oh yeah, probably dominant in the '60s. I mean, oh just, my god! Oh, that sometimes everybody says, "Well, is Bill Bill Russell is Ben Wallace with better free throw shooting and and better inside presence?" That's pretty much the difference. Yeah, I mean, well, Ben. I mean, I think Ben Wallace, like his scoring wasn't that terrible. Like he wasn't a great offensive player, a hell of a rebounder, and a great yeah. defender. I think if you put Ben Wallace in in the in the '60s and the '70s, even. I think he is a Bill Russell. I think he does enough scoring wise. Because the other thing you have to remember is Ben Wallace is going up against some of the best bigs ever to play, like Shaq, like Tim Duncan, like uh, 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 Dirk, Dirk, Dikembe Mutombo, um, even Alonzo Mourning. Like he, yeah. he was going up against some incredible bigs at the time. And if you take him and you put him in an era where there's only like two or three good bigs, he probably puts up twenty five a night. Yeah. He probably gives you something offensively. And if you see the black and white footage of... Also, he never really had to be a scoring focus on that team. Oh, yeah, it's true. And if you watch the black and white footage of some how, how the NBA is played in, like, in the 50s, they don't even have set shots. They're just throwing stuff up, and they're it's like... Boop, boop, yeah, they're, they're hook-shotting from where the three-point line would have been back then. Yeah, and also they're not very athletic. So you yeah. put a guy like Ben Wallace... Like, Ben Wallace probably would be playing, like, a four. Like he, yeah. he, he'd be there. He'd be that era's, like, LeBron James, possibly. Like, just passing all over the place and doing crazy. I mean, we're thinking about Ben Wallace differently. You're thinking, oh... Ben Wallace was such an offensive weapon back then instead of now. It's it's the area playing. And yeah. while I think Ben Wallace is a Hall of Famer and deservedly so, and I think he is, um, 
he, I think he played outside of his era. Would be interesting to see how he would handle like today's NBA. I think he'd lose his mind. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially, I mean, especially a lot of guys. I think if you put like Wilton and Kareem, guys who had no three point line and, yeah. or it was like three point line to the tail end of their career, maybe they start changing their game around where they start shooting more. Reggie Miller playing in today's NBA oh, breaks every single three point record he ever set because I think he set a couple of three point yeah. records. If Reggie Miller plays in today's NBA. That guy is chucking up like thirty a night. Yeah, your your kid like he's he was a heck of a three point shooter. Right, if Ray Allen was playing like like, and I know Ray Allen like retired only a couple of years ago, but if Ray Allen was in his prime in today's NBA, yeah, he he's going nuts. He's putting up like like probably thirty shots a night and from beyond, and he's probably making a good part of them. Wow, I can only imagine that. You know, it's it's funny because the NBA is one of the is one of these sports that changes so in changes so infrequently that it has these weird periods where you have these guys that are just a couple years before when they really could have been something. Yeah. Quick question, maybe before we move on to the podcast: A woman that knows sports does it make her hotter or? Oh, for me, um, uh kind of. It well, actually, yeah, it does. It does. Um, because. I've ensconced my life in sports. It does in the sense that she can keep up. Like I, I can have someone to talk to. And then like phys- physically, it's not going to make her hotter, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's not going to make her, you know, her, her features better. But it does make her more desirable to talk to. And thus, you find out more cute stuff about her. You've, you know, oh, she's she's sweet. She's this, she's that. She's, you know, and then you start to develop that connection a little more. So, yes. Every guy that dates someone that doesn't watch sports is going to say, oh, no, oh, no. And they're going to defend, you know, no, shut up. It, it, when a girl when a girl is into something you're into, it makes her 10 times hotter. Yeah, I mean, just like the Big Bang Theory episode, it's like when Penny starts speaking uh, physics to, to Leonard, doesn't that just raise the bar for her? Yeah, raised, it raised something. It raised a couple of them. <laughs> and now, uh, talking about the Pat and Benny show, uh-huh. what was the impetus behind it? And really, how have you grown that show since its inception? So, Pat and Benny show is an interesting start. Uh, much like my, in, you know, my introduction into radio, just being on my back of my mom's seat. Um, I met my friend Pat when I was a sophomore in high school over my friend Alex Police's house, and we were watching Game Seven of the NBA Finals that year. I think it was Heat versus the Spurs. And it was the Ray Allen three. And um, there's so many stories that come out of this being in Alex Police's basement. Anyway, um, I met him then and I kind of got, you know, kind of got like me and him kind of vibed early on. And I kind of got the gist that he was just he had this interesting, you know, kind of take on sports. And he does. He he looks at things in a much more calmer way than I do. Like I'm very I'm very much like a typical Philly sports fan. And he is, too. Um, but I jump on things early. Like if, if I, I was the first one in my friend group to kind of call out Howie, Howie, Howie Roseman for the Eagles and say, he really isn't that good of a drafter. And I kind of realized that after he drafted Derek Barnett and Derek Barnett had the injury last year. And I said, he really doesn't do well in the draft. So there's no reason for him to keep draft picks. And I took a bunch, I took a bunch of flack and now people are starting to come around to my point of view, but no one's saying, thank you, Ben. Anyway. Pat takes a little more of a calm approach and more of a sensible approach. So I think me and him kind of mesh really well. So the genesis of the Pat and Benny show was I graduated college, got the job here at iHeart, and I kind of wanted something else to do. And I was working really late at night. I was working until like 8 or 9 o'clock at night. And um, I got into 302 Sports with Pat. So I asked him, I said, can we meet for lunch? And we met at Anthony's Coal, uh, Coal Fire Pizza in Pike Creek. And I said, this is my idea. I want to do a sports talk show. It'll be me and you. We'll call it the Pat and Benny show because it sounds a lot better than the Benny and Pat show or any other name we could come up with. 
And I also think like keep it simple sometimes with sports names. Like no, you don't have to go off the like you know, uh, um, like Eagles fandom sports podcast. Like that's way too much. Like Pat and Benny show. It's branding. It's easy. And um, I didn't want to make it just sports. I wanted to make it a little bit of everything. Now it started out just sports, um, and over time I kind of convinced the team, and then we added we added my friend Nick in there because he he's a very loud and, and very rambunctious guy. We had my brother in there because his knowledge of completely irrelevant athletes is, is phenomenal. Like he, when we would go out drinking and that's a lot, a lot of the podcast is started. We went out drinking. Um, he walked over to Pat one time and I was standing next to Pat and we were watching like, I think a Sixers game and he grabbed Pat on the shoulders and he looked at him. And he said only the words Shavlik Randolph and walked away. And Pat looked at me and went, he just brought up Shavlik Randolph. And we had a 35-minute conversation about Shavlik Randolph. Because all of us, each and every one of us had a different memory of Shavlik Randolph. I remember going to a Sixers game. They said, now entering the game, Shavlik Randolph. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? Who the heck is Shavlik Randolph? And, and from there it went. So I brought in my brother, and um, for the most, for the early part of it, they wanted to kind of talk just sports. But now they're starting to understand doing just a sports podcast can get old pretty quick. And you know the content's seasonal, and and if the Phillies aren't doing anything, then you have nothing to talk about that week um, in the summer. So we we kind of started to grow it, and um, now we we we've done a lot more Delaware related stuff, and we've done we've done a lot more. Um, hard talk and we cover a lot more national news we did a segment on the on the lebron james uh china thing which we actually broke down his entire podcast which is something else i don't like that the big news news media companies do they don't cover the whole story they only cover the clips so we cover a little more of the whole story with that and i think i mean you know it's, it's always growing it's always changing um we've been doing it for only about two and a half years so we still have more to go but um, it you know we're getting new logos and and we kind of you know t tire our fans out pretty quick because they're always like oh you got a new logo now well we we've changed it twice and we're gonna change it a third time soon, um and then we we have merchandise we have all different kinds of stuff and I I really like the promotional part of it because um while most people are like oh promote it this way I have guys working on that but I also like to go and do some other stuff like I've kind of gotten into NASCAR so we uh, we have a sponsored i racing car that has you know a couple hundred you know. I think a couple thousand people that watch it to watch the streams. So um yeah, you know, we we've grown it that way and um it's a really popular show and uh the guys they make it they make it a lot of fun and um my favorite part is just coming up with production. Like I love that I can go in there and come up with interesting segment intros. That's more my thing. Being in radio, what is the feeling like once the mic goes hot? Honestly, it's kind of like I don't feel much anymore. Um excitement. I mean, you know, you still get those butterflies and every once in a while you get like the over oh, hot. Um, but for the most part, it's it's kind of like I'm ready to go. Like I'm ready to do business now. This is this is what I'm born to do. And and I don't get the butterflies. I don't get the the deer in the headlights. Like when I first I remember I when I first started um, doing a regular radio slot, I was on uh, the station 89.7 WGLS Rowan Radio and I went. My first ever attempt to go on air, and I call it an attempt, I, I kept hitting the off button and thinking it was the on button for the microphone. Bad moment. Now, you won't get that from me ever again. But um, it's it's more of just like, here we go. It's business as usual. And that's kind of the way I approach being on the air. It's just business as usual. You're going to get the best Benny you can. And I think as as opposed to pre-recording stuff and things like that, 
once you're live, it's just the fear of knowing you're going to mess up fuels you even more to like, okay, I'm going to rattle this Hon- off. Honestly, I, whenever I go live, and there's something on Spreaker now where you can go live on Spreaker, so we've started to do that with the podcast. And whenever we go live, I don't feel like it's live. I just feel like it's another day in the life. Like I, I pre-record a lot, but on my shows, and I do multiple shows a day, but I. I record them live to tape. Like unless I make an epic, like I, I curse or I just I botch a story or I, I mess up in the name of a sponsor, I don't re recut anything that I do. Because at the end of the day, people can hear when something sounds fake. And I mean, we go back to wrestling. People can watch and see that it's just it's not good. And um I, I'm also a big believer in you know, the fans aren't that dumb. The listeners aren't that dumb. They're really, really smart. I, listeners aren't dumb at all. They're really, really, really smart. And they can pick up on things. So if you just sound live, like leave in your mistakes, leave it, leave in your flub ups, leave in your errors. Don't if you curse, certainly you can check that and make sure you address that. And if you mess up the name of a sponsor, address that and fix that. But do be yourself on the air because that is what society is lacking is personality. What do you say to someone who is aspiring to be in radio? Somebody who's in college, you might hear this Mm -hmm. or who's somebody who's even younger, maybe your age when you started uh, doing the traffic reports. Work hard. Um, but also remember to keep yourself sane because I went through a moment in my career where I had a mental breakdown and it wasn't actually too long ago. I, you know, balancing sports and balancing regular on air and balancing marketing and and production. And I had a lot of pressure on my plate at one point and I drove myself to the point where I was, I wasn't taking days off. I was working six or seven days out of the week. I was working like 12 hour days I wasn't eating. I was I was beating myself pretty bad. I was putting myself through a lot. And I had a moment when I had a mental breakdown and I came out of it and I went, I am pushing myself for no reason. Like I always kind of had this this thought in the back of my head like I need to be that good. I you need to be that good. You don't need to be good. You need to be yourself. And that's that's the most important lesson. Don't overwork yourself and be yourself. And you'll you'll be fine in this industry. Yeah, and I always thought about it just that you know, they find somebody to fill in for you when you're on vacation. When you, if you die or you quit or you get fired, they'll find somebody to replace you mm-hmm. easily. You're you're replaceable for the most part, but you're not replaceable. Like they can replace your position, they can't replace you. Your personality is what's going to drive you. Being who you are is what's going to drive you. And I'm still I'm still trying to learn who I am. You know, I'm still trying to be a little more natural on air and. Um, I always think like maybe if I had a co-host, I could be a little more natural. But what I'm starting to realize is you have to open up the microphone and not think about messing up. Don't think at all. Just be yourself. And that, like I, now, I like whenever I do a celebrity story, I always, you know, like today, Madonna, my, one of my stories was Madonna said something where she was like uh, a fan suitor for her late start times. Like she, the ticket says she'll be on at 830 and she gets on there at like 1030. Uh, I will say this: If I bought a ticket to someone's concert and they don't go out, but they they go out at like two hours after that, and I have to stay later, I'd be a little ticked off, especially if it's during a weekday, as some concerts are. She went on stage and she and she said the queen a queen is never late. My response to that on air would have been that's very arrogant of her to say. And and really, I'm not a big Madonna fan at all. Like I like her music, but I just don't like her. I think she's very politically correct, and I think that she's very stuck up and of herself. And I call her out. I call out celebrities like that because I think that they're just very snobby and they're very stuck up. And there's proof that backs that. And whether people agree with me or not, I don't really care. 
And especially, that sounds very counter to what Madonna used to be. So, yeah. I mean. Oh, no, 100% she's changed. Oh, 100% yeah. 100% she's changed. Maybe it's kids. Maybe it's, I don't, you know. I, yeah. Lord knows. Here's what I will say. Money changes people mm-hmm. and success changes people. And when you've become as successful as Madonna has, you there's you're not going to be the same Madonna that you were back in the 80s. Yeah. Like, like a virgin, this ain't the same Madonna anymore. Yeah. You know, this is a whole different, this is a corporatized Madonna. That's very calculated in what she does. And my one friend texted me and said, you know, she was joking about that, right? Was she? There's a lot of truth said in jest, okay? And she's being sued. And she's not backing down from the lawsuit. She's being sued by a fan, too. And and really, not that I always agree with people, especially fans, because they have a tendency to be really emotional. But the guy has a point. He paid for a ticket to a concert that said it was going to start at 830. And she didn't take the stage until 10.30. And there was no openers. There was none of that. It was Madonna, 8.30 at this concert. So you buy the ticket. You get there at you know, 6. You tailgate. You go in at 7.30. You get your spot. You party a little bit more. And then Madonna's supposed to take the stage at 8.30, right? And then she performs till 10. Madonna took the stage at 10.30 and performed till 1 o'clock in the morning. Mm. Now you're talking about a guy who thought he was going to get out and be home by 12. And now he's not going to be home till 3 o'clock in the morning. Think about that. Oh, yeah, and it makes sense because we went to see Elton John. Elton John ate to, you know, we didn't know what time was going to end. He got on maybe 8.15. He rocked it all the way till about quarter of 11. No problem with that. We knew, and, and he was there. Mm-hmm. Cher had an opening act, 70 years old. You know, basically did a, I think, two-hour-plus two concert. Mm-hmm. No issue. I mean. Yeah. No, like, that's, that's my thing is that the guy has a point, and Madonna is being a little, like, if Madonna wants to fix this, Give the guy his money. Give give him back his ticket. You know, just yeah. say like, "Hey, we'll, we'll cover your ticket and we'll buy another one." And then don't be late to another damn concert. Or set the time for ten thirty. So or people set know. the time for ten thirty. Exactly. Or just come to an agreement and say nine thirty. Again, because like people like, uh, and, and people that defend celebrities always make me laugh. Like I defend a couple of celebrities every once in a while, but it's only like it's it. It also depends on the situation. Like you can't look at the celebrity. You have to look at the situation. Even if a celebrity agrees with you politically. Uh, you know, spiritually, culturally, doesn't matter. You, it's the situation that matters. What is this person doing? Are they right? Are they wrong? And you call them out based on balls and strikes. That's kind of a mentality when it comes to celebrities. Are you doing something that's right? Is what you're doing wrong? Um, another one that got on a celebrity for is ASAP Rocky is going back to Sweden three months after he got arrested. Uh, to me, that's just stupid. Some folks never learn. I think. I think. Like. To me, this, this is how it comes off to me. And maybe I'm reading the situation wrong. It comes off to me like, go to hell, Sweden. I'm going to perform here and I don't really care what you have to say to me or what you do to me. And is that a great mentality? I don't know. It kind of makes me feel like he's a little arrogant or a little, you know, short-sighted. Like, to me, if I was in his position, I wouldn't go back to that country until they figure their stuff out. Can a country figure their stuff out in three months? Who knows? Yeah, I... I... And or just like just try me. I'm mm-hmm. just, he, now another another celebrity I'm, I'm adversarial with is mm-hmm. is Miley Cyrus. Mm-hmm. I think it's this is the first time ever in a divorce where the wife comes out looking substantially worse. I like I can't think of many situations where a couple divorces and the wife comes out like the like most divorces. I, I don't think you've ever been divorced before. No. Okay. And, and God, God hoping. I, you'll yeah. Have, I mean, I, I've known God, many friends and, who've lo- whose marriages have ended, and, but and you God know. hoping for me, God hoping for both of us, we never get divorced. And rightfully so. I know a lot of friends have gotten divorced too. 
when they get divorced, a lot of the, like when a man and woman get divorced, a lot of the times it comes out and it's like the husband looks like he's a cheater or just an awful dad or like a deadbeat or something or just not like he didn't love her anymore. And the wife always kind of comes out looking like the queen, like looking yeah. like the better person. That's like, if that ha if it's nine out of ten, that's like if it's if it's out of ten times, it's like nine times. That's how it is. Yeah. Very rarely does the guy come out looking good. Like maybe yeah. the wife cheated or something. But even then, like the wife will still look better for some yeah. reason. I don't know why society always like mm -hmm. sides with the wife in every single divorce. This is the first ever instance where I felt like the wife in this divorce came out looking so substantially worse than the husband. That the husband comp came out. I think he. I think honestly, he should win like the Medal of Honor for putting up with Miley Cyrus. Because that girl, to me, has a mental disorder, has some kind of emotional disorder, has something going on upstairs that she needs to talk about or go get help. Because she went from Liam to dating Caitlin Carter to breaking up with Caitlin Carter, dating Cody Simpson, and basically saying the only reason I dated Caitlin Carter is because there was no there was no good guys in the world. She made she basically mocked an entire sexuality. She pulled Anna Hesh. She pulled Anna Hesh. Exactly. Of which, like, entire sexual sexuality, of which comprises the majority of your own fans. Meanwhile, she's also running down her ex-husband, who doesn't say anything, has not said but two words about the whole situation, and at one point just made one of those generic posts that says, you know, future endeavors. Good luck in your future endeavors here, Miley. He comes out looking so much better, and Miley looks like an absolute bat, bleep, crazy female that has no idea what she's doing and might have a mental disorder. Yet she would also poke fun at other people who had mental disorders. I yep. mean, Amanda Bynes and all that other stuff. I mean, the joke was years ago, people got on Jamie Foster's like, look at her. She, in a few years, she's going to be jumping on, swinging on stripper poles. Boy, did Jamie Foxx, the Oscar winner, call it. I mean, like, you know, and nobody, well, you know, he called it while everybody would tell me, oh, how dare you say this stuff? Man. Sometimes people don't want to hear the truth. And the truth was the moment Miley Cyrus started doing the wrecking ball stuff, I knew that this girl was going to go off the deep end. She had a moment for me where I was like, if Miley sticks to doing this stuff, like the Dolly Parton covers, she might have something there. Like being like that, that yeah. Americana folk country song girl, she might have something there. And really... If you look at genres that need help, Americana music needs help. Like, what what iconic Americana artists are there right now? Like, Jack White? Kind of. Maybe not really. Um, I think if Miley went, it would have lent, it would have done a lot more for her than it did pop music. Her and pop music is, like, pop music in general is just garbage. Like, it's just, it's, it's computerized, it's boring, it's repetitive, and pretty much every, like, I couldn't even tell you who Billie Eilish is. If you, if you lined him up and you try to point, made me point her out in a, in a, a, a lineup mm -hmm. in a police lineup I couldn't tell you that and that song was. didn't seem like it was good enough to be Old Town Road I I really I, don't think it was couldn't even tell you who uh, what was the guy's name Little Little Nas X I, I always see even, I couldn't even tell if you put if you lined up a, if you lined up a bunch of it could be white guys African Americans I couldn't tell you Little Nas X is yeah I couldn't I don't know who that is Post Malone the only reason I know Post Malone is because he's a meme yeah and by the way people that think his music is fantastic he uses auto tune. If we're gonna give post Malone, if we're gonna give post Malone cred, we have to give cred to every single person's ever used auto tune. T Pain is the is the greatest of all time when it comes to auto tune. Yep. One more drink is my favorite song. One more drink. Yep. <laughs> I like uh, Chopped and Screwed. That's one of my favorites. Mm. Chopped and Screwed. Yeah, it's just I mean, and I and I'm just he's big. underrated. He's very oh yeah, underrated. especially him winning the Mass Singer, which I always thought with that thing, the only reason he he won is because Donny Osmond and Gladys Knight 
try to do older songs, and if they did something more modern, they'd probably beat them. That's yeah. the only thing. I mean, you all of a sudden do Shake Your Tail Feather or you decide to do a Bonnie Raitt song. Ah. ah. Like, no one, like, audiences don't connect to those songs yeah. anymore. But yeah, T Pain. And there's a guy that has, that has, his image has been pretty solid. Like, I mean, he, he stopped, I feel like he stopped making music after that one album. I forget what it was called. Um, back in like the two, I was like 2008 was when he dropped like all those songs, like, uh, buy you a drag pony. Oh my God. It was so great. Um, T-Pain just defines like my high school years. Yeah. That's like, oh, this is my mid twenties. That time, what? Oh, eight. I'm about, I'm 25. You're 25 in 08. I was, I was, so in 2008, I was, I was 15 years or 14 years old. You were born in 90. I'm 93. 93. Okay. I was born in 83. So. Okay. All right. Yeah, so it was like ten years. So different. you're ten years older than me. All yeah. right. So okay, interesting. So yeah, you're you're fun to talk to because you know, th- like you know a lot more than me, especially because all the things that I like were happening while you were really starting to get into stuff. Like think of like like late '90s stuff and stuff that I'm trying to get into. You already were there. Yeah, I mean, but and I just always think about growing up and. Being growing up in the early 80s, I experienced, you know, everything up to like 89, 90. So basically, I'm still conscious at 80 in 1989. And then all of a sudden, I'm living a whole new life through the 90s. And yeah. oh, God. So Brit- you, you were you were very cognizant because people always think like, oh, you know, 93, 90s babies. They, 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 they're where it's at. Like, no, really experience the 90s. You had to be born in the 80s. Early 80s, I think. Really. Early 80s. What was like the Bill Clinton scandal like at the time? Uh, for me, I didn't. I mean, I, I, I feel didn't like care. I feel like no one cared. I I mean, especially because there's worse things you could have done. I mean, especially when you think of other people have done worse. Kennedy has done worse. Oh my God! Uh, I R- mean, Richard Nixon. Nixon, yeah. yeah. And and just oh my God, it's like, yeah, that's nothing. Even, I mean, even arguably Ronald Reagan. Like Ronald yeah. Reagan, what Ronald Reagan did was worse than what Bill Clinton did. Yet. People revere Ronald Reagan and hate Bill Clinton. It's a different time. It was just something to usher in. I guess the 70s, that whole disco thing, it's like you needed a clean slate, and Reagan was a clean slate back then. And I think, really, because my first impression of Clinton is the saxophone on Arsenio. And it's just, I mean, yeah, at that, I mean, he catered to that audience, and uh, I mean, he catered to a black audience at the time, and, you know, perfect catered, thing to do. Catered or pandered? Mm. Looking at it now, after pandered. after two thousand eight, he pandered. He pandered to that audience. Yep. I mean, yeah, I mean, because hey, his his wife panders hard too. <sighs> she 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 went on a radio show, and this is the moment I realized I couldn't I couldn't mm-hmm. I couldn't support her. I couldn't vote for her. Mm-hmm. Um, she said something like, "I always keep hot sauce in my in my bag," and it was she was on like I want to say it was like Sway in the Morning or like one of those shows. Like an Af- it was like an African American morning yeah. show. No reason for her to be on this show, mind you. Like, like presidential candidates don't go on radio shows. Like, they'll call in. This, like, she was on like a, some radio shows, like a hip hop station. Yeah. And she said, like, "Oh, I always keep hot sauce in my bag." What? I believe it. Bill yeah. said it, and because Bill had a way of she's, if he was she's pandering. Like, she's like from Rochester, New York. Yeah, I mean, and and Illinois. I mean, she's probably what suburbs of Chicago. So yeah. And the thing is, this if Bill said it, it's easier to believe because if even if he pandered, it was a smoother pandering to an audience as opposed to Hillary. And I always see it like this. And I don't want to go. And I'll say this, plain and simple. 
you look out through the history of America, especially, let's go 50 on, 1950 on, the more charismatic candidate won every time. Yep. If Bobby Kennedy didn't get assassinated, if George Wallace didn't get shot, Nixon doesn't win. No. Because one of those two win. Scarily, the odds are, what happens if Wallace wins? Lord knows it's hell in the handbasket, but Bobby Kennedy beats Nixon easily. You know, that's the only reason Nixon won, because the two was, favorites were no, gone. There was no Democrats to run at yeah. that point. Yeah. I, I used to adhere to this theory that Nixon was behind the Kennedy assassination. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I thought that, but I think I think it had something to do with the fact that like every time he ran, it was always he always like lost to a Kennedy. Yeah. Or he lost to like someone that was like that, like in a charismatic, good looking person. So he thought, oh, if I clear that if I clear the runway, I'll be able to get elected. And Lord knows he did. So there you go. Yeah, and then you think about it, then all of a sudden, I mean, it's one thing if, if Bobby Kennedy gets shot, but then Wallace gets shot. That might, you know, that makes you start thinking about it even more. And, and and he had his own scandal. Yeah. Think about that. I also believe like J- like J- JFK number 1 wasn't killed by Lee Harvey Oswald. Number 2, I don't think it was one person. Like I think it was three different groups coming together. Yeah. And my 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 belief is the mafia, Cuba, Castro, mm-hmm. and Russia. Yeah. And the CIA kind of was like, "You know what? Go ahead." Yeah, I mean, because because JFK had beef with a lot of people. He had yeah. beef with the mafia. He had beef with the CIA. I mean, he even said the one quote, you know, there, I'm going to uncover the the plot to enslave every man. Like the CIA was probably like, dude, don't be throwing that on us. Like we're not doing that. Yeah. I, don't th- I don't think the CIA is doing that. I think the CIA just wants to protect the country, but the way they're going about it is completely wrong. Like they're listening to this conversation right now. Yeah, and I always just thought, man, it would have been great if they could have used that line from Clue that communism was a red herring. But I don't think it would be able to be used because I think, yeah, who knows? Um, and then and then you have you have Cuba and Castro, who's a rising dictatorship that you know probably wants to make a mark. Mm-hmm. And then you have Russia, who's communist, and obviously they hate they hate Frank yeah. Kennedy. I mean, he, the whole Cold War. Um, I think it was a collection of people getting together and saying, you know what, we just we're gonna off this guy. Yeah. The, the, way, the way the way every assassination is, it's not like every people think that like the John Wilkes Booth assassination, like that's the status quo. No, in order for you to assassinate, most of the time, it's multiple groups of people that hate oh, yeah. you. And the fact that. And it was a huge conspiracy because they hung nearly everybody that was involved with that Lincoln assassination. Yep. They got everybody, and uh, um, and it's funny and. Except maybe the Reagan one, I just think it was a crazy dude. And yeah, but, I mean, and, like, and and the Wilk, the John Wilkes Booth one, I think was a crazy dude too. I yeah. think I think it was a crazy dude who was enabled. Yeah. All right, the Reagan one was just a crazy guy. Yeah. Uh, the uh, there was another one like the the other one that got assassinated was or, or oh, there was Garfield. There's Garfield was uh, just a jilted yeah, political a political yeah. guy. Oh, McKinley, and same thing. I think William McKinley was a jilted political guy. Yeah. So for the most part, it's just either you're a jilted political guy. Or like the most like random assassinations, you're either a jilted political guy or crazy. In order to like establish like one, like the Kennedy one will be the last one because the last ever president to be assassinated will be JFK because no one will ever get to that level of of just so much hate by multiple groups against one president that deep. Like yeah. I, people are saying, like, oh, Trump could get assassinated. I don't no, think it's no, 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 no. If anything, he he has a better chance of dying in office of just old age or the high cholesterol. Because if you eat enough fast food, that yeah, I mean, it, it does. It does. Like the way he beats his body up astounds me. Like the 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 barely sleeping. 
the diet. Like, apparently, he drinks like four or five Diet Cokes every day. He has the opposite of Vince McMahon because Vince McMahon sleeps only a few hours, works out every day, only eats food for fuel. Like, like Jim Cornette will always talk about all his experiences with Vince. And, yeah, I mean, I can see Vince living. I mean, then again, flukes in modern medicine. Donald Trump and his diet could actually live longer than Vince McMahon who worked out. He'll live that long just because, like, he does the bare minimum to keep himself alive. Vince, I think, is overdoing it. Like, Mm -hmm. Vince is too into, like, like, I'm starting to count calories because I weighed myself recently and I didn't like the number that came up. And I said, you know what, I'm going to, my goal is to lose, like, 15 pounds. I think that's fair. And not, like, quickly, like, by springtime next year, I want to be down 15 pounds. Get Mm -hmm. back down to where I I feel like my body was the best at. Um, I'm not, like... I, I don't eat like fast food. I don't like get picky and have to have the same like three vegetables every day. Yeah. And I don't like time out when I'm going to eat. I just eat better. Yeah. Like I'm just eating, you know, okay, we're going to cut back on candy. We're going to cut back on sweets. Really, you don't have to be that crazy about your diet yeah. to go and get into good shape. I mean, yeah. you know, some people have natural, uh, naturally, uh, I guess, deficient metabolism or things mm-hmm. like that. For the most part, you don't have to, you're not reinventing the wheel here. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do want to say this. So I'm a big I'm a big what ifs guy. Yeah. Do you ever look back in history and just like what if this happened? What if that happened? Yeah, and and it's like because you can do it in sports, but yeah. like history is interesting. It's like reading a Wikipedia page. It leads you down like rabbit holes yep. that you can go on for like five hours. I remember reading about something about I was just curious about reading how they just did the interstate highway system, and it led me reading about. You know, all the things, the roads in Maryland and the Eastern mm-hmm. Shore, and then it got me reading about the state of Delaware and how in the Eastern Shore of Maryland, the state of Virginia tried to invade the Eastern Shore of Maryland <laughs> just because of the land and everything else. And it's like, man, this could go on for hours and hours and hours. And here it is. Okay, I'm looking at someone at 11. I'm like, oh, man, it's 4 o'clock. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I was like, and I got to get up at 6.30. Like, I've done myself a disservice. <laughs> my, my greatest what if is what if the South won the Civil War? The amount of, of everything that changes mm-hmm. is so incredible. Like, first things first is, I think the South wins the Civil War. The Union in World War One joins the Germans. Mm-hmm. America wouldn't unite until, like, World War Two. They wouldn't. So you're, we're talking about a country that would be even younger. Yeah. Where would we be at politically? Where would we, would we be at in terms of society, culturally? Yeah. You know, be some, so much would be so different. I don't think you'd have sports teams that are all across the country. Yeah. I don't think you'd have that many sports. I don't think you'd move west. I think it, I think it just stops. I think it stops at Texas, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, my thought process is manifest destiny becomes yeah. like our we got to go to the moon. Mm-hmm. So I think both countries fight across the U.S., the Union and the Confederacy, fight across the U.S. to be the first to reach the coast. Mm-hmm. I think that would happen. I think we still reach the coast. I mm-hmm. think we still get the West Coast. I think we make a lot of enemies in the process. Oh, yeah. Both, both sides. I also think Canada would be a part of the United States. Mexico would be part of the United States. Um, Puerto Rico wouldn't be its own thing. Like all those Caribbean countries would be a part of the U.S. because both countries would have a hunger to get as much land as possible. I think Cuba's part of the U.S. too. So that changes though, Castro, because you have the yeah. Spanish-American War. They still fight it. Oh, in this in this scenario, your first president isn't until like the the late fifties, at, at 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 the most. 
Or maybe it's still, I mean, you know, Jefferson Davis takes over. Oh, I you mean, have separate presidents. Yeah, yeah. You, you have separate presidents. You know, it could be, I don't know how the line of demarcation, what they would call it. I mean, you still be the Confederacy. Would you still be yeah. the Union States of America, the Confederate States of America? It's, I mean. Because remember, the Confederates fought the war to uh, keep slavery intact is, is one aspect. But for the most part, it was just leave us alone. Yeah, so right. if the Confederates win, I don't think they're taking land away from the, from the Union. Yeah. I think that starts up after World War One. Mm-hmm. So World War One hits and because the Confederates were backed by Britain and I think France and, and a couple in Spain and they get involved in World War One, the Confederates go and they get involved in World War One on the side of the Allies. And then Germany, who is looking to just get allies in general, they're up against Russia, they're up against Britain, they're up against the basically the rest of Europe. They turn to the Union and they say, Hey, will you come and fight with us? And then World War One has two fronts. Yeah, in the U.S. and over in Europe. Yeah, and I think about this. I mean, let's say it's Grant that surrenders mm-hmm. at Appomattox in '65. There is still the um, the Emancipation Proclamation and all this other stuff. It just changes. Like, okay, so in the South, I mean, maybe the North still keeps building up their industry and things like that. And while it's still a rural based uh, yeah. thing, what if you know, like they have the Dust Bowl and all the other stuff, and it just destroys their crops. Yeah, the South gets brought to their knees. Also, I like I don't think the Dust Bowl happens. Mm-hmm. At that point, when the Dust Bowl happened, that would have meant that um, that was backed under a unionized country, and that was during the, I think it was during the Great Depression. I think so, yeah. Um, at, at this timeline, neither country is moving that far out West. So the Dust Bowl doesn't happen. Yeah. Like, you know, for the most part, like Native Americans get a much better deal at that point because Native Americans aren't being driven all the way to like these small areas and small, um, you know, scapes in like New Mexico and, and Nevada. Like they're allowed to just be wherever they are. Yeah. And they also think what happens? Does prohibition occur and does it only occur in the union? A lot changes. And I think the, the biggest change for me is when World War Two occurs. I think the bomb that gets dropped gets dropped in America because that's a front that'll never stop fighting until it's it's yeah. deemed. I also think it gets dropped a lot more than just once or yeah, twice. Yeah. I think it gets dropped like five times. I think they still hit Japan. Maybe the, the South gets hit as a warning shot so to I think, Japan. I think it's it's dropped twice in America. It gets dropped twice overseas, and I think it gets dropped in Europe. Yeah, I think it gets dropped in Europe because what's going to happen is. The Confederates are going to drop it to try and stop Japan. The Union's going to drop it on the Confederacy. The Confederates are going to respond and drop it on the Union. And then Germany's going to drop it on like London or France to yeah. try and say, yo, let's chill. Yeah. Or maybe it's an uneasy alliance. It's like, okay, this time we'll work together. Yeah. You know, yeah. You have a lot of like Russia situations where yeah. it's like, we don't like you, but we both hate Germany. Yeah. So we're going to work. Together. Yeah. And the only, then you also look at after that. So. Does the African-American migration continue to move north? Yeah. What happens with Martin Luther King? What happens with uh, colleges and things like that? You, Brown versus the Board of Education, Plessy so versus I Ferguson. Think, so I think slavery goes away regardless because mm-hmm. one of the things that Britain wasn't crazy about the Confederates, and Britain backed the Confederacy, mm-hmm. and that that's a known thing. Um, one of the reasons why Britain wasn't all in on the Confederacy, like they backed them mainly because the Union was like mostly the ones that like rebelled. One of the reasons why Britain was was back was not too much or not too into the Confederates was because of slavery. Like Britain felt like we're 
Britain always felt like they were advanced enough to where they didn't need mm -hmm. slaves. And they kind of looked at the Confederacy and said, we're backing you because we need the U.S. We want to kind of go back in and try to see if this will split the U.S. and we can come back in and get this. But we're not going to go all in because you still have slaves. Mm -hmm. So I think if the Confederates win for Britain, like they don't get legitimized by Britain and the rest of the world's powers until they get rid of slavery. And I think the Confederates eventually go, all right, we'll get rid of it. I think African-Americans are still mistreated. Yeah. I think they're probably worse off in that situation than they are now. Yeah, I think because yeah. there is no reconstruction where everybody gets penalized. You don't have the or rise you know of the black uh, politicians there. Possi and then possibly not. Possibly not. Be and this this might be why. And I'm, I'm just, just coming off the top of my head. A lot like during the, the, the Civil War, a lot of African-Americans were kind of the reason why the Confederates lost. And I think the Confederates and a lot of people in the South to this day kind of hold that resentment. If the Confederates win and slavery just, slavery just goes away on its own, I think African-Americans are treated better. Yeah. Or, I mean, you could also think this. What if the African-Americans side with Native Americans and just try to uh, hold a yep. uh, revolution and then that changes and... I mean, it, that's a huge what if, but it's I a mean, huge what if because there'd be no resentment towards like there'd be no like I mean, there there would be more resentment from African-Americans towards the Southerners than there would be from Southerners to African-Americans. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, think about that because because slavery would would have gone away on its own fruition, not. All right, we have to let you like that's kind of how the South felt. Like, yeah. All right, we have to let you have to let you go now. Like, I feel like if it went away on its own, like. African Americans would just look at the South and like nope, they would not live in the South. I can yeah. almost guarantee you. Or that. yeah, the other way is like, okay, the Industrial Revolution hits the South and like, ah, oh, we don't need you guys anymore. So yep. yeah, I mean You're and, good. You're and, good. Then, Bye. and then that may you know, that could be then you got a bunch of angry people like, Where are we gonna go? I yep. mean Where are we gonna you go? Know. You did this for so many years and you have its own you have your own rebellion there. Yeah. You had to have enough help to mm -hmm. till those fields and mine the plantations. Now you have an overwhelmingly large uh, population of freed slaves yeah. who are like, Okay, um, it's it's the what ifs in history are interesting. Yeah. Because so much changes just off of one simple Yeah. Switch. It's yeah. crazy. And then even in sports. Like I look at sports and what if Drew Brees never signed with with the with the Saints? The Dolphins might actually have success, who knows? Yeah. I mean, or I mean because Phil Rivers was going to get the job in San Diego. The, yeah. the, it came down to the Dolphins and it came down to the Saints. What if what if Eli Manning never wanted to you know, be traded out of San Diego. Is San Diego still in San Diego? Are the Chargers still in San Diego? Does Philip Rivers lead the Giants to the Super Bowl? I mean, because wasn't that the trade? It was uh, they swapped with him. I mean, they swapped. Yeah. I, so I don't think Philip Rivers is successful because he goes to New York, and New York, as an organization, is just a dumpster fire. Mm -hmm. And and you know he doesn't ever have a stable coach. I mean, yeah. Coughlin also isn't the best. Like he's not a passing oriented coach. He's yeah. more of a running oriented coach. So. I don't know if Philip Rivers is as successful. I think Eli Manning goes out to San Diego. They might win a Super Bowl and stay in San Diego. They never get moved to L.A. So now you're talking about another team getting moved to L.A., like the Raiders getting moved yeah. to L.A. instead of like the Rams. And now the NFL's St. Petersburg, like baseball has. Now the NFL's St. Petersburg is Las Vegas. Yeah. Oh, you're not going to build this new stadium? We're just going to we're going to move your team to Las Vegas. Yeah. We have this all figured out. You don't. Yeah, I, I can see that because I mean, and and the thing is. The Raiders going to LA, it's a natural fit because if they were there. They everybody wanted the Raiders instead of the Rams or the Chargers. Yeah. yeah. So if the Raiders go to LA, do the do the Rams still get moved to LA? 
Maybe I, not. I think. Well, here's the thing: if Kroenke's paying for his own stadium, maybe, everybody can. Maybe just, the Rams get moved to Vegas and they become the Las Vegas Rams. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'd still see like, hey, why don't the Chargers and the Raiders flip? Raiders go to L.A. They probably wouldn't want to share, but and then the Chargers go to Vegas. That means balance is restored. The Raiders are back in L.A., which which everybody wanted. The Rams are still there. Mm-hmm. You know, probably still playing. Uh, second I, I, think, I think like people like no one like yeah. the Raiders being in L.A. just fits. Yeah, it just fits that style out yeah. there. Like that that they would like people in LA would care about that yeah. because there's there's history there's culture like the rams have history in LA but the rams history in LA is like 5 seasons worth of history yeah the raiders have like 12 yeah. like the raiders were a part of the culture there like people yeah. to this day still wear like raiders you know everything yeah. that way and while the rams were the first there year, you know 50 years 50 60 years ago i mean they didn't have much relevance no, you know, until maybe that little that little Eric run Dickerson, in the seventies yeah. and eighties, and then but the Raiders were already dominating once they moved over there. Yeah, I don't know, Benny. I really appreciate you coming on the show, and I know we could talk about this for hours, <laughs> which means next time, yeah, we're gonna probably have like a five hour show. Jesus. But uh, what's the best way people can reach out to you and catch up with you on social media and and everywhere else? I can't believe no one else took this handle, but it's at Benny on the radio, and it's on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everything. Oh wow! Hey, that is the, probably the best thing that will if you can just cultivate your your brand across yeah, all platforms. Radio, yeah, hey, man, that that's the best thing to do because I know there's <laughs> I know like three other Benny P's, so that probably would have been very difficult. Yeah, I, I used to go by Benny P when I was at Rowan Radio, and um, that I, I went by DJ Benny P, and then I kind of went like, okay, I, this is not going to work. I'm not I'm not like a late night mm-hmm. type dude. So Benny. It's fine. Uh, that, that's I went with branding, and I mean, it's a unique name. Like, who goes by Benny? Yeah, I know Ben. It's funny. I know more Bens than Bennies than you know. And it's sort of. Oh, one more question I had to ask before we go on this one. What do you see your ultimate career goal being? Oh man, I always said my goal is to be like Ryan Seacrest, like a syndicated show, to be a personality, be a next great big personality. It's kind of changed over time. I, my career goal is now I want to be. An innovator in this industry, and I, I, but I, when I say that, I mean like I want to be able to balance both my marketing sales and on air, and show this industry you can be both, and kind of see how that innovates the industry further. Yeah, I always think you know Dick Clark was probably. I mean, Dick Clark basically is what Ryan Seacrest is now. Mm-hmm. I mean. In fact, Ryan Seacrest said he learned a lot from Dick Clark. Yeah. And Dick Clark, you know, had his own production company, had his own TV shows, radio shows, and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was going nonstop until the stroke. I mean, even when he had the stroke, he was still, yeah. you know, involved in his own production company and still doing the New Year's stuff. Yeah, and just the fact, I mean, that is the probably the radio legend that we, I think, a lot of people aspire to. Some Casey Kasem, some Dick Clark. I mean, there's plenty of others that that everybody may forget about. I mean, Stern and and all those other guys and. And I think that yeah, Dick Clark is like the standard. This that man from basic, and he's a Philly guy too. He is, and 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 just his le- his legend. He, he's revered around Philly. Dick Clark is. People love him. Who's bigger, Hall and Oates or, or Dick Clark? Hall and Oates, I, by by a very slim margin. Hall and Oates. But I, I, there's times when I listen to a lot of Philly sports talk radio, and you know Dick Clark gets brought up, and people are like, "Oh, Dick Clark, Dick Clark." I'm like, "Who is like Dick Clark?" Was just a New Year's guy to me, but people love him. Yeah, to me, it was like the pyramid guy, the bloopers and practical yep. jokes guy, and yep. and everything. I guess yeah, American Bandstand was on. To me, I always saw it like this: here's American Bandstand, yep. here's Soul Train. Basically, they are the two the sides yep. of the same show. <laughs> like Saturday afternoons at twelve, 
Soul Train, the hippest trip in America. That's all it was for yep. me. But yeah, Benny, I really do appreciate it. We definitely are going to do this again. Yes, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and that concludes my interview with Benny Pinella. If you like this episode, don't forget to share, give it a like, and leave a review. You can find this episode as well as other episodes of the Sports Refuge podcast by going to the Sports Refuge website, www.thesportsrefuge.com. You can also subscribe to the show wherever else podcasts are heard, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and much more. You can also find video excerpts from this and other episodes of the podcast on Instagram by following us at Sports Refuge Sports Blog. All one word. Next time, we'll go back to the Sports Jeopardy well with Dustin Curis, one of my competitors on the show. We'll discuss his process of getting on the show, what it's like being a diehard Detroit and Michigan sports fan, and what it's like being on the business end of operating a dental practice. Until next time, this is Earl Holland saying thanks for listening and have a good one. You've been listening to the Sports Refuge Podcast. For more information about our show and our guests, go to our website at thesportsrefuge.com. Follow us on Twitter at The Sports Refuge, on Instagram at Sports Refuge Sports Blog, and on Facebook at The Sports Refuge Sports Blog. Thank you for listening.